Yes, folks, the end of this uh, fiasco is coming soon. Welcome back to the Rebel Madman radio program here on Republic Broadcasting Network, your beacon of truth in a world of lies. So I hope that you will find a way to stand up and to support RBN to the best of your ability because they do do everything imaginable to try to protect the truth and to present it to the American public. What is that old adage? Because you can handle the truth. Well, now I've come up with a question for my two reprobates here, and uh, I mentioned it to them during the break, folks, and uh, neither one of them was uh, uh, really jumping up and down about this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And here it is, and we will direct this question first to that commercial airline pilot there in Alabama. Okay, DW, the Constitution of 1787 couldn't stop Lincoln and his war against the South, including raping, burning, pillaging, and just absolute murder of Southern civilians. If it couldn't prevent Lincoln from doing that, why should we give it any credence today? Well, the, the, the short and easy answer before we start to shred this is that uh, I don't, I personally don't give it any credence that it would today. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start out with just a cornbread statement here, a little cornbread. Uh why would you expect the fox to protect the chicken house? Why, who, who would do that? Yet, yet that's, that's, the, that's the logical fallacies that people will spew from their lips emotionally that uh, in, in a national emergency we have to trust the government. Well, where is that? Where does that trust led you to? What at to what point has believing and trusting in government, which is the arbiters of that constitution, led you to safety and freedom? Tell me. Hasn't happened. So, Cal, Cal. Well, I'm waiting, buddy. Not only. <laughs> Not not only has it not happened, the powers of be and the powers of being the government create these situations that create these so-called national emergencies so that people cleave even tighter to the national government to fix the problem. So we have the Hilligan dialectic. We got problem, you know, create the problem uh, and then sol- solve the problem. A solving seems to be more government in people's minds. And they never stopped to think that it was the government that created this problem to begin with. So if you have something creating a problem, why do you want more of that same entity that created the problem? And this is part of that 180 degree out of phase dialectic going on out there. You look at it everywhere. You know, If there's a problem, oh, the government will call it. If there's a problem, what do you do? You call the cops first. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you solve this yourself first? But no, the answer for everybody seems to be more government. They all want less government until it affects them. Then they want more government. 
Well, great answer, guys. Yes, a huge contradiction. And here's here's something uh, I was thinking about. Why don't the three of us, uh, you know, steal some money somewhere and do a commercial on national television and tell people with, that we have this wonderful new product? Well, no, actually, the product's been around for a long time. But we have perfected this product, and we're going to sell it to the American public. And we're, we're going to go on our huge commercial. We're going to say, everybody needs this in your life. It's the only thing that can protect you. It is everything you have ever needed. And we have had it for 234 years, and it's never worked. But I assure you that when you need it, it will work. How do you like my commercial? Are we going to ro- are, are, are roll out this ad campaign every two years, Mike? Yes, I thought we should. I thought we should. Just about election time, we should tell everyone. Well, oh, I thought it, you were if, talking about election time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it is an election year. Well, Go the, ahead, DW. The, I thought you and, just described the election the, process. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, and yeah, you, yeah, you're. We're on this. We're thinking the same way, uh, Cal. And and the and the only way the only thing you have to do to get this wonderful product is vote. That's all yes. you have to do. Just yep. vote. It's never that'll, worked. That'll... <laughs> it has never worked. Never in the history of man has it worked. The Constitution couldn't prevent abortion. The Constitution couldn't prevent uh, the genocide of the people in the South, including at least half a million blacks. It wasn't able to protect any of the rightful liberty of the people from, you know, from the time of its inception on. I mean, let's not forget the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1789, uh, 1798, I'm sorry. Uh, Let's not forget the fact when the government decided you can't say anything bad about us or you'll go to prison. Now, folks, that wasn't last week by Joe Biden. That was in 1798 by John Adams. One of the original founding fathers. So this is what they think of you. Now, you know, how can we put it by John? Mike, can I I put this in? This is only by John Adams because nobody dared speak bad about George Washington. Remember, he was George Washington. Oh, Nobody, yes. even even Sentinel, went lightly when he spoke about George Washington. Absolutely, that's the gravitas that that man had back then. Absolutely, and you know, I think it was uh, wasn't it uh, uh, Sentinel who said that uh, you know we shouldn't be overawed by the names of these personalities. Uh, one of them is there because he really doesn't know any better. Talking about Washington. And the other one is too old to know what's right. Uh, he said it much yeah. mild. He said it much milder yeah. than I did, but that's what he said. Yeah. But these are these are just these are just original. The, the nature of man, uh, original expressions of the cult of personality and celebrity. And uh, you know, this is this is what these uh, uh, pandering patriots. Uh, for profit, that's a PPP. Pandering patriots for profit. <laughs> I like yeah. that. The, uh, the, the the PPP. Uh, they uh, they make a lot of money selling that patriotic snake oil, and uh, it reinforces it reinforces a mythology, uh, uh, and uh, you become emotionally attached to it, 
and you looked to your oppressor for your salvation. Uh, uh, Regardless of what religion you call yourself, you're still looking for government for your salvation in the physical world. And so how, how how would I describe that from a more clinical point of view, uh, I would describe what I'm seeing as a witness as a complete and full expression of manifestation of the Stockholm syndrome. Hmm. Where you, you know, uh, say. That's what I was going to say. You, 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 know, you just described Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Where the oppressor. Uh, and, oh. yeah. So there's, a, there's another little twist to this, uh, this PSYOP. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm calling it a psyop. Uh, ab initio, from the beginning, this is a psyop. Now, these national emergencies, these national emergencies, um, as, as you pointed out, they create the problem so they can profit, once again, profit from profit from that problem because they already got the solution figured out. And, of course, this takes logistics and planning, but there was there was a, another psychological phenomenon called the Munchausen syndrome. Syndrome. Oh yeah, it's another. The it's called a syndrome, uh, which means that it, it has many many. It expresses itself in many different ways. The Munchausen by proxy syndrome. And if you're not familiar with that, do a little research, and it's a little jaw dropping because Munchausen syndrome is where. Uh, somebody in a position, a trusted position, will cause injury, cause injury or sickness in uh, somebody in their family or somebody that they're a caregiver of, or maybe even a fireman, or maybe even a police officer. You know these trusted these trusted people, and they cause this problem. And then when the problem manifests itself, they arrive as heroes to save the day getting all the recognition for the problem that they created. So what we have here is a hybrid. We have Stockholm Syndrome and Munchausen by proxy working together as a uh, in, in concert with each other on the minds of the American people. I'll take over. <laughs> what do you think of that, Mike? Oh, that's a great uh great analogy great thoughts i you know i look at this so so many times guys and i see so many people coming up with so many you know okay well if we can just vote in the right people you know we can get this thing fixed no you can't you can't throw the right person into a swamp of alligators and expect them to come out ruling the alligators I know that's probably a weird analogy, but, you know, here's the thing. For those folks out there, and I know there's some, for those folks out there who believe that the Constitution is the answer, please contact me, and let's have a debate here on RBN. Let's do that. If you think that the Constitution is the answer, Prager University says the Constitution is the document that saved America. And the Heretic Foundation says, oh, if we can just get back to the Constitution, the original intent. Well, they don't bother to ever print any of the original source documents about what was the original intent. Do they promote or publish any letters from 
James Madison to George Washington or James Madison to Alexander Hamilton or James Madison to Edmund Randolph? Do they publish any of those about the original intent? No, they don't. So if, you know, if all of these things, if all we need to do is elect the right people, why haven't we able, been able to do that in 234 years? You know, you would think that with 234 years, somebody would mess up and, erect, and elect the right person, right? But when has that happened? When has anyone elected ever turned the government back to what we think it is? Help me out there, uh, Cal. What's your thoughts? Well, first off, you know, Lord Acton disease, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And the other thing is, is good people don't want to be in government, Mike. Really, truly good people see it for the evil entity it is, and they don't want anything to do with it. So what you're left with is little wannabe tyrants wanting to tell other people how to live. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. people elect every. That's what people elect every, every two years. You you get to choose between which little little wannabe tyrants you want to be led by. And that's not freedom in my book. Sorry, folks. Well, Cal and DW, here's yeah. a question. Here's a question that has always baffled me. How in the Dickens? And I'm looking out my window right now, and I'm seeing a neighbor who is flying the good old U.S. American flag, the stars and stripes. And right below it, he has a flag that says, have you missed me yet, with a picture of Donald Trump. Now, folks, here's something I have never, ever been able to understand in my life. How do you create such a love affair between people and someone they have never met, they have never talked to, they know very little about, except they are a member of a political party. That has destroyed us. People believing that because someone is a member of a certain party, they will do what is right when elected. Well, let's think about what D.W. just said about the wonderful Shrub Bush. Oh, that Constitution is nothing but a GD piece of paper. Okay, all right, that's what he said. What is, is that any different from your wonderful Democrats? You know, I'm a firm believer in what Clyde Wilson said many years ago. The Democrats are an evil party. The Republicans are a stupid party. And I don't know which is better, guys, evil or stupid. I don't believe either one of them is a pathway to freedom or rightful liberty. Uh, Jump in here, DW. Help me out. Well, evil and stupidity are uh, are uh, bedmates. (laughs) Or, or (laughs) you, you. It takes both of them to, you know, complete the dance. And uh, so, people people believe the cult of personality because it's. Uh, it's a refined process of marketing and they use mass media to do the marketing to their target audience and uh, you know Harry Lippman Edward Bernays uh, perfected it uh, back in the 20s <clears throat> marketing and as technologies 
improve. They they leverage and force multiply the technologies to dig deeper into your skull, and and you buy it for, for the same reason that uh, millions of people who called themselves Christians uh, fell all over Billy Graham, not ever knowing him or ever actually even seeing him in person. Uh, the Freemason Billy Billy Graham. Uh, how about uh, Donald Trump? Well, who was his who was his spiritual mentor? Uh, the wonderful, the wonderful Donald Trump. His spiritual mentor, uh, Henry uh, Kissinger, Norman Vincent Peale. Oh. Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> Norman Vincent Peale. And and they're they're only a, a few keystrokes away. They're all all these people that are these these uh, adepts, initiates, uh, worshippers of Donald Trump. All, all they're they're just a few keystrokes away from going on the computer and typing in uh, 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 Donald Trump. You could you could go on. You could do it on YouTube if you want. You could type in Donald Trump and uh, his uh, repentance. Donald Trump and repentance. And you can listen in his own words, in his own words in real time, on several occasions stating that he's he, he's never had to do that. He doesn't feel like he needs to do that. But yet you have people that will just swear up and down that he's a Christian, that, that uh, well, you know, God can use whoever he wants. Well, you know, I believe he can too. And, and what God is Donald Trump uh, using? You know. I mean, if you were, if you had the ability to be objective about your own thoughts, critically challenge your own thoughts, which is once again saying I might have, I might, might have something wrong, is when you can do that, uh, you might survive what's coming, because if you keep making decisions, where you are, here comes the break, guys. We'll be back on the top of the hour. Support RBN. Hit that donate. I'm a tired, stern, and a brothel life. Too much crap to drive the world insane. Everybody singing the jailhouse blues. Don't believe a word of the evening news. Truth stood for years is down the drain. Trailer parks with the building cold Cul-de-sacs in the country road High-tech bars, bad karaoke sounds Uncle Sam keeps your money spent Pay your tax Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing. 
knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. Health Simple with Kalwara Shilaji, fact bit number three. Shilaji is the supreme yoga vaha. Within Ayurveda, Shilaji is the singular substance that towers above all other herbs, herbal minerals, and earth-made adaptogens. Yoga vaha refers to substances that have the ability to synergistically make better and carry other substances to its prescribed destination. In the case of Shilaji, most any herb, food, or mineral is amplified with ionic potential, superimposing superior efficacy with increased cellular energy and absorption rates. One of the best applications for Shilaji is to add a drop or two into your favorite herbal tincture and foodstuff. Simply put, Shilaji makes other substances more effective. Look for the Gold Mountain and Medical Symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Yankee Lab said that they'd be coming any day And if you planned on getting out alive, best be on our way our tighter gray was torn between if we should run or fight But our southern pride swelled up inside as we dug in for the night Then I heard a rider calling, they're coming down the road And the fiery flash of 20-pounders started to explode Tried our best to stop them, our efforts were in vain In the distance you could hear the sound of Dixie's last refrain Ah, those devils dressed in blue. They're burning Georgia down. Thank you, Balsam Range. You guys are just absolutely awesome. And uh, we've been having some great conversation. Guys, I almost wish you folks could hear us when we're uh, talking during breaks here. But uh, I'm going to leave it to my old buddy DW here to kind of enlighten you folks as to what we were talking about. Have at it, DW. Uh, well, we were, we were talking about sandwiches. No, no. That other thing we were talking about, uh, (laughs) the, uh, about flags. And, uh, I had a, I had a, uh, a new road put in 
they put a new road in out here, Mike and Cal, a new four lane about five miles away from me. And I got to see a whole new view of the backyards or the front yards of different people that you never saw before. And I was coming down through there last week and right out there on three big poles, there was three poles, the one in the center had a United States flag on it, the uh, British East India Company flag. And right below that was a was a white flag with a with a red red cross on it uh, on its side, and below that one on a lower pole was the Christian flag. And I go, wow, this guy's got a really bad case of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, your God comes in third I, place. <laughs> I, I just like. Well, and you know, I, what I was really surprised is that he didn't have a he didn't have a an Alabama football team flag out there. That would have that would have made it all complete. Oh yes, uh, he he wanted you to know. He just wanted to know you to know how confused and what his priorities were. He wants everybody to see that. So I don't I don't know what you do with that. Well, yeah. guys, what you made me think didn't of there. What Didn't you made Cal me think a, of there. Flag? Well, I want to get Cal's comment there, but what you made me think of, and I have to spit it out here before I forget it, was I was doing a class in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas on the Constitution, and I had a minister, a good guy, really good. I liked him a lot. He was a minister, and he had a church in Oklahoma, which was right across the border from where we were at Fort Smith, and he had a church there, and I asked him, I said, uh, well, preacher, uh, you fly the uh, U.S. flag at your church. I've been by there, and I noticed that below that you have a Christian flag. Who's your first choice God? And I got the strangest look you have ever seen in your life. And then he looked at me, and he said, well, it's the law. That's what That's what it says. That it, I said, and the law tells you that your this country, this government, is your first god, and that uh, the god of your that you're preaching about in your church is your second god. Well, I had a couple of folks take a picture of him with that exasperated look on his face, and someday I'll share those. But uh, let me jump back now to our buddy Cal and his. Uh, he, he has a comment about my neighbor that I'm still looking at with the American flag and under that a flag with a picture of Donald Trump that says, miss me yet. Go ahead, Cal. Well, well obviously this guy's suffering from, uh, not Stockholm, so I'm running, my brain's running flat right now. Ugh. Cult of personality is what this guy is suffering from. And this isn't really, when you think about it, isn't really any different than when the Federalists had George Washington appear at the convention. He was a puppet. He was used. He was a figurehead used to put forth their agenda, just as Trump is a figurehead to put forth the agenda of the powers that be. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but that's what's going on. And it's just, it's basically the same thing. Instead of well, Washington, it's Trump. Cal, 
Yeah. How many people do what Trump says right now? Exactly. Here we go. Free bird. Thanks, guys. Be back on the other side. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. After taking Extendivite for about six months, I've noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from the carpal tunnel syndrome. I will continue to buy product. This formula is very powerful. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure is stabilized. My lower edema has reduced and lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. This product has relieved what appears to be an angina problem. Pain in the chest after climbing stairs and short on breath. I'm quite happy about it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hi. Tom Bolton for Ease-Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. 
Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. any other way no way this is who i am this is what i stand for and if you don't like it tough but that's who i am that's what i stand for and i stand for the truth and it's not very well represented in anything but we've had a great discussion here again during the commercial break and uh, we've been talking about uh, and i'm going to let dw start first and then let cal jump into his description but before i do that folks I would like to ask you at the top of the hour, we're coming up on the top of the hour, and I would like to ask you please to stay tuned here to RBN and listen to my old buddy, my all big time blackballed spook, none other than Blackbird 9. So folks, please stay tuned for his program. And also, Whatever you can do, help support RBN. Well, we had a great discussion, guys, uh, going on there for a while. And uh, we were talking about what if people, and DW, you're commercial, retired commercial airline pilot. And so we were talking about an analogy. What if the people who were about to take a flight got to vote on their pilot? What uh, carry, carry us on there, buddy. Well, <laughs> the uh, you know it's it's a, it's an appropriate it's an appropriate uh, analogy, uh, or in this case, might be more like a metaphor because uh, these these people that sit at the pointy end of this thing have your life in their hands, your life, uh, and and so uh, that's a direct comparison is the people that say that they're. Uh, 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 governing your country, steering steering the ship, the the country ship of this of this nation, uh, and um, so uh, you know if you're going to vote for, and they have everybody's millions millions of lives in their hands, and in a direction. So uh, well, you know if if it works for that, why don't we just do that with uh, pilots? And you you could you could all sit around. You, you could all sit around in the in the airport terminal there, and, and before we get on the flight, we just we'll just take a vote of who's here, who who are we going to vote for to to fly this. Now you don't know anybody there, but you're just going to pick somebody at random and say, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do them, we're gonna vote for them," without knowing any of their qualities, their capabilities, competency, character. 
director, none of that. You just you get to vote for them and then and then enjoy your flight. And uh, you know, on the welcome aboard briefing, they're going to say, "Well, you know, the captain, whoever that got got voted in to be, is going to say, well, gee, I hope this all works out, right?'" So, if if you look at if you look at the character of almost any of these politicians that you want to, and if you're being objective again, all of them, 100% of them, manifest, demonstrate, express clinical symptoms of psychopathy and megalomania. And that's who's flying your ship, a state. So, Cal, Cal. You there, buddy? There it is. Yeah, I found it. Well, you know, to, to add on to that, how would you feel having everybody else vote for who your pilot of your plane is? I don't know any of these other people in the terminal. Yeah, they're going to vote for who's supposed to fly my life and run my life. How, how's that working for you? Oh, big time. Hey, guys, I've uh, kind of done a departure here talking with a producer. Seems like we're getting an awful lot of folks who are calling into the program. Uh, let's... Uh, you know, and some of them have already gone because I usually don't take callers. But we've got a, a gentleman named Ken from Texas. Uh, let's take his call and see what he has to say. Ken, are you with us? Hello. Boy, thank you so much for taking my call. I feel quite honored. Um, I, uh, I have to say that I'm a big fan of BLM, Brainiac Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, gotcha, that Ken. is. Yes, um, I got you. And so it's a little bit of a departure, but I, I, I'm just so curious and, and want to know what your thoughts are on who the professor was, you know, during the framing of the Constitution, the gentleman that showed up in his black suit and then departed, and who your best guess is who that individual was, if you know who I'm talking about. Well, I've heard it was Haim Solomon. Haim Solomon. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's a monument to him and George Washington and Robert Morris in Chicago, and I promise you the government will never let that be torn down. And Haim Solomon was with the synagogue of Philadelphia. And why is that monument to him in Chicago of he and Washington doing a Masonic handshake and Robert Morris is with them? Why do we have that? Uh, rhetorical question, I'm sure, because I can't answer it. <laughs> Neither can I. Neither can I, Ken. But I thought I'd throw it to you. You've got you've got some great uh, great comments there, sir. And uh, sure, appreciate you calling in. And uh, you know, I normally don't take calls, uh, but uh, maybe perhaps we should set aside the last thirty minutes for calls on each program if we can. And so. Well, it- uh, it's such ahead, an Ken. honor sorry. to hear you guys. It's such an honor to have you guys together, and and the the I, I can't even talk. I'm I'm so excited uh, to have you all together and be able to ask questions. I think is a, a, a fantastic opportunity, and there are so many people out there much smarter than I am and can actually put a sentence together when they call in. Uh, I think it'd be wonderful. If you all could take calls, well, other than mine, <laughs> I, I, I'd Ken, love to hear you participate. You're but, fine, um, buddy. We appreciate your call. Anybody else have a chime in on 
on who the professor was, or are you in agreement with that, or uh, any other ideas, or any clean jokes? Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, Cal DW, you got any thoughts? Well, Ken, to be honest, uh, I wasn't aware of this story. This is this is news to me. Even though all my studies, I was like the professor in a black robe. That was that, that comes as news to me. So I appreciate you bringing that to light. I was unaware of it, so you know that this this is why we do part of this is so that we learn from each other. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, we can all read the same story, and all three of us can come up with a little bit different interpretation of it. And we get together and we hammer it out, and we come to some kind of conclusion that's cognizant and makes sense to us. And so, like this, this story about a professor in a black robe—I got to look into it, Mike. You got to let me know what you know about it. We'll I'll do. See what I can find out. All right. Appreciate that, Ken. Very much. Thank you. Sir. Yeah, I've. Uh... I've heard of that. I've heard that mentioned before, Ken, the professor. But uh, I, uh, I'm at a complete loss. Uh, I don't have any. I don't have any data on it, and it's a it's a great question. You know, it's those uh, sometimes it's those little details that you know fit the mortar between the bricks that make it a complete picture. You know, so uh, thanks for the thanks for bringing that out. Yeah, so those little. Uh, anomalies that really get my attention and you know I had to stop banging my head against the wall since it felt so good to stop um, and just try to ask you guys so anyhow uh, I gotta get off let you all get on with it and thank you so much for taking my call talk to you later thanks Ken appreciate you brother let's jump to Bill in Kentucky Bill how you doing buddy buddy good good evening it's it's good talking to you I talked to you I think one time before but uh, the question I always had, what do you think about that church? They, they do this every 4th of July and sometimes other times of the year to the church. And bless, I love this church I go to, but but uh, they they do that stupid Battle Hymn of the Republic song, I've seen glory and the coming of the Lord, you know what I'm talking about? That's just not, yes. I mean, regardless of whether you're pro-Northern, pro-Southern, or or whatever, that ain't appropriate for church. That's, that's Other than saying, I've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, there's nothing about Jesus in that whole song. I mean, it, they're talking about the second verse, like do's and damps. For heaven's sakes, that's battle. That, that's battle camps they're talking about. I mean, that's, I mean, what do you think about that, Mike? Am I being petty or not? <laughs> no, I don't think you are at all, Bill. And uh, the one thing that I would ask you, the first thing that pops into my head, is that a 501c3 church? Uh, yeah, it is. Well, I think they get dictates about what they can do and what they can't do from the government to maintain their tax-free status. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, I'm sorry, Bill, you're breaking up there, buddy. That's just not church or helm or anything, you know. It's no, just it shouldn't be. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it shouldn't be, and yeah. don't forget that during Reconstruction, when they uh, during Reconstruction they got got rid of every Southern minister who would not uh, have a prayer to the government in their service, and so I think it's still with us in, in many in many ways, Bill. Oh, okay. It's well, just, it's just, uh, I'm not against. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, well I, just I'm wanted, not against, I just wanted to say to you that. 
it, it, it actually all makes sense because the 501c3 church is a corporation. Uh, they don't have freedom of speech, and they have to talk only about what is acceptable in public policy. And public policy is for citizens, U.S. citizens. So this is how it's all connected. Uh, it, it, what it means is that you, you always thought you had freedom and liberty and that you were an individual, but you're not. You're a part of the public. So is the church. And they're subject to public policy. And this was brought in and, and, and put into code by uh, LBJ in the 60s. So, uh, Mike, what was that, uh, Cal? What was that quote? Where uh, was it? Was it uh, Samuel Bryan, or was it Jefferson, or uh, Patrick Henry that said, "When tyranny arrives, it'll be carrying, uh, waving a flag and carrying a cross." Hmm. Several actually alluded to uh, something very close to that, Cal. Uh, Patrick Henry did, I know. So did Luther Martin and a couple of others that, uh, you know, uh, anti-federalists that most people have never even heard of. Uh, but if we may here, guys, we're stacking up some callers here. Let me try to jump to them if I can. Uh, Charles from Florida. Uh, Charles, how you doing, buddy? How you doing there, Rob? Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Douglas Reed's book, a controversy of Zion. People don't know that people started the British control of Southern Africa, the, the control of the destruction of the Boer Republic, World War One, etc. World War Two. They all started with what is called the Round Table. Everybody's wondering where the United Nations. What were the first United Nations? They were talking about before the American Civil War in Oxford, England, under John Ruskin, who was head of the what became the Rhodes-Milner Group, the Round Table. They called it the United Nations, according to Douglas Reed, the author of, of, of Controversy of Zion. So we, they, instead of being formed in 1942 as a name for the alliance against the fascists, the, the United Nations in 1942, it, it goes all the way back before the Civil War. And what was his purpose, according to Douglas Reed, quoting John Ruskin, the pre-Raphaelite writer and critic, art critic, who was head of the, the round table, it was for the Jews to rule from Palestine the, in the world government. So the United Nations didn't precede the League of Nations. The League of Nations actually, there was a, a league, there was a kind of thing before the, uh, 1918 when the League of Nations was organized. It was called the Concert of Nations, 1815. It was, it's the same thing. Nothing. There was no, the idea of the round table or of of, of the uh, League of Nations, the United Nations, was an old idea that was already in use at least in 1815. 
the Council of Nations was just like the League of Nations. It was the imperialist powers and the bank, big banker families. So I yeah. just wanted to point that time, out. Well, big time, Charles. And yeah. uh, I, I, you know, uh, DW, I think, uh, you know, you, you would probably say the same thing. You're spot on. And, uh, uh, but, uh, Charles, as much as I hate to do this, we're uh, running uh, pretty close on time, and I've got right, uh, a couple right. of other folks in line. Okay, so, thank uh, you. Charles, thank you for, thank thank you you for listening to RB, RBN, and thanks for your comments. And now, uh, oh, wow, we've got a – yes, sir. Now we've got a happy moose in Canada. Happy moose, how are you? Hello, gentlemen. Do you hear me well? Yes, Excellent. Um, I wanted to call in uh, because uh, you mentioned that several of the gentlemen in a list of attendees uh, had Esquire after their name, and I recalled that Esquire was actually first used uh, denoting someone who uh, practiced law for the sovereign, for the king. And yes, that's, that's uh, defined in 1586. So I, I'm curious to know, um, at a certain point in time, of course, the New York Bar Association officially made it to be uh, denoting uh, lawyers in that state, in the Empire State. So I don't know when that happened. And I'm curious and just wondering if perhaps those gentlemen in that list that had Esquire after the name were in fact more leaning towards the king's uh, interests rather than the other interests. Absolutely. And I'll listen to your comments on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You are uh, you're right, uh, Happy Moose. You are spot on. Is the fact that those esquires from Philadelphia, as I read from the Pennsylvania document, Pennsylvania Assembly, yes, they were all esquires. And if, uh, you know, at some point in time, I hope that uh, when we have a program, I can get into the uh, Committee of Style and Arrangement and the fact that all of all of their people on the Committee of Style and Arrangement were also Esquires headed by Gouverneur Morris, who completely and not completely, but in many ways rewrote the Constitution. But uh, that being said, uh, let's jump out here and let's try to Mike, bring in Mike, real quick. Yes, real sir. Quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to add to that the, the the three American signatures to the Treaty of Paris were also esquires. All three esquires. Adams, which, yep, Adams, Jay, and Franklin were all listed yep. as esquires. So yeah, this what he's saying rings true. And a document which made King George the Third the Prince of the prince. United States. Yes. yes. And most people have no idea about that. But, uh, folks, we're, uh, yeah, we're getting really close here. Let's try to bring in Andy from Texas if we can. Andy, how you doing, bud? Well, hey, thanks, gentlemen, for taking my call. And, 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 and yeah, um, I just want to know, what do you know about the differences between Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson? I read a wonderful book. Uh, it was written in 1968. The woman did 30 years of research, and she kind of pitted Patrick Henry against Thomas Jefferson as though as if they were, you know, uh, opposites and whatnot. What, what can you tell me about that? They were. They were very much opposites, uh, you know, but uh, Pat, uh, Thomas Jefferson actually was uh, listening, not as a member, but to the uh, House of Burgesses in 1765 when Henry gave his speech, and uh, Thomas Jefferson said he uh, he uh, 
speaks as Homer wrote. And then in the 1850s, prior to that, they had both been attendees at a Christmas party, and they had uh, met each other there, and they both played the violin, and they entertained the people for quite some time. Then the separation between Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison came about over the fact that Patrick Henry wanted to institute a government in the state of Virginia that was based on the Christian faith. And Thomas Jefferson and James Madison both opposed that. And in 1784, Thomas Jefferson writes a letter to James Madison and says, we should pray devoutly for the death of Patrick Henry. So at the end of this book that I, I, list, I read and whatnot, Thomas Jefferson was the, let's call him the governor of the Virginia Territory, and it was still during the uh, Revolutionary War, and Patrick Henry, I believe, was uh, residing in Connecticut, or, or not Connecticut, but Kentucky, and uh, Thomas Jefferson didn't go through the protocol, and therefore the, the Virginia Territory was overran by the Red Coast because he didn't go through the protocol to get the right people there to fight the the, the stuff and whatnot. What do you know anything about that, or am I just talking off the top of my head? Well, the one thing that I do know, uh, kind of jumping a little bit, but it was in 1812 when the British were uh, invading the area, uh, they refused to burn Monticello because it belonged to Thomas Jefferson. Now, the British didn't give anybody else that kind of reverence. So, so what does that kind of say about Thomas Jefferson? Well, no, no, but what does that kind of say about Thomas Jefferson? Was he kind of, uh, you know, an insider? Well, I think that Jefferson's first term from 1801 to 1805 is probably the best administration we've ever had in this country. And I think a lot of that had to do with Albert Gallatin, which most people haven't heard of. But I think a lot of it had to do with his instruction and his leadership. But... Uh, then after that, I think, and I've said it on multiple occasions, I think that Thomas Jefferson became susceptible to the Lord Acton virus, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, because his second term was a disaster in many ways. I mean, he tried to prosecute Aaron Burr on fictitious uh, information. He uh, tried to uh, prosecute several other people, and he was determined that he was going that James Madison was going to follow him as president, and he was going to defame Aaron Burr in any way he can to com to prevent him from actually becoming president in uh, 1805 or in the 1804 right. election. Well, hey, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Thank you, Andy. And guys, we're running out of time here quickly. Uh, D.W. Uh, Give us a quick parting uh, thought, and then we'll jump to Cal, and then I think our time will be up, guys. Well, it's uh, it's been a marathon of three hours. I don't know how you do it every week, but it's been a great fun. My pleasure. Thank you, RBN. Thanks for everybody listening, all the callers. Charles, all your comments I agree with, and uh, uh, it's just been my pleasure. And you all have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right, Cal. Finish us up here, buddy. Oh, first, uh, <laughs> oh, first off, thank you, Mike, for inviting me along. And DW, thanks for tagging along with us. It's always such a pleasure to be on here with you guys. I hope the listeners enjoy, you know, what we bring forth. Uh, as scattered as it is, and all around the table, but that's what we do. And I just want to thank Mike once again, and to remind everybody to 
Try and catch Mike in every chance you can, all the way from his stub sack to his lessons he gives on Tuesday to his RBN show tomorrow. Because um, this man has more truth in his little pinky than most of us will ever have it in our whole head. So thanks, Mike. Uh, thank you, buddy. I certainly and thank appreciate you, RBN. That. Yeah, and I want to let the folks know that the first hour on my program tomorrow night, The Rebel and the Renegades, the first hour will be a dedication to the recently passed John Kaminsky. John uh, did a heck of a job. He and I didn't always agree, but we're human beings. We had our differences, but we agreed on the serious matters. And so, therefore, for all of his work, I think there is and should be a tribute to John Kaminsky. And tomorrow night, we will attempt to do that in the first hour on the Rebel and the Renegades. So, people, thank you so much for tuning in and listening, uh, putting up with the Rebel and the Reprobates. And uh, so uh, it's our pleasure. We really enjoy this. I know most people find that hard to believe, but we actually do. And, folks, support RBN. It's critical. And so until tomorrow night on the Rebel and the Renegade Roundtable, uh, we kind of – Hope that uh, you folks have a blessed day, an absolute blessed day. You folks are awesome and fantastic and keep supporting RBN. Here comes the music. Bad moon rising and people, if you don't see it, take the blinders off. God bless. Good night. some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. You're listening to Real Talk Radio, only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.